Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio, the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. Hey, this is the Armstrong and Getty Show. i got a quick question for you. What if you happen to miss part of the show of this unbelievable radio program? The answer is easy, friends. Just download our podcast, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. It's the podcast version of the broadcast show, available anytime, any day, every single podcast platform known to man. Download it now, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. You know, when uh, I was raising my three kids, who are now uh, young adults, uh, I used the parlance of today's youth, because they are today's youth. And I used to tell them, you got to be willing to suck at something. I said, don't worry about being bad at stuff. And hmm. I'm I'm glad I taught them that. I hope I taught them what that was, well enough. What was your intent with that? Uh, don't get discouraged if things are hard at first. Hmm. Hmm. Don't don't look okay. at other people who are really good at it and think, wow, look at me. I'm not very good at it. I'll never be good at it. Um, you were so you weren't thinking suck permanently. Okay, that's no. the way I was looking at it. No, don't be afraid. Uh, yeah, to be bad at something at first. That was the ultimate. Okay. You know, lesson. Um, and, and I came across this piece in Axios, which actually kind of distills down several pieces of journalism that I thought was really good. And it made me, because I, I've already believed this, but this really drove it home in a way that I'm going to try to live up to. Um, the headline is, do things you're bad at 
and they get into a bunch of different reasons why they're in there's incredible merit in chasing hobbies you're not very good at we've all value excellence and success and productivity but doing hard things sharpens our minds and our bodies keeps us grounded um and then they they actually go into Jack a, a, an article in the New York Times that you and I talked about a great deal that came out in 2018 that was talking about America's uh, obsession with like being great at your hobby and turning it into a job. Yeah, if you're making money at it, if you're not going to make money at it, what's the point? Which is the, the not the way hobbies have been looked at throughout history. Yeah, yeah, and they get into. Um, it's not only okay, but it's good for us to do things purely for ourselves. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm believing. I'm going to believe this at the end, but I'm still not playing golf. I'm just telling everybody that right now. Well, yeah, there are limits. Um, if you if it's something you're bad at and it fills you with anger and rage, <laughs> and is expensive, and is expensive and time consuming. <laughs> Uh, maybe you find something else. Uh, anyway, uh, da, 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 da. so they use, uh, running as a case in point, uh, setting modest goals and stuff like that. I found that kind of a, like a detour off the main thread of the thing. Although I, I can attest to that one. Absolutely. I had to fight that all the time because I run slow. And every time I would talk about running a race and somebody'd ask my time, I'd tell it, it'd just be endless mockery. Okay, well, how fast did you run the freaking race? You didn't run it at all. I mean, it was better to be running slowly than not. But I think a lot of people probably don't run because they would be on the slow end. Well, that's yeah. crazy. You know what? You're right. And this uh, journalist actually uh, points out that she set a goal to run at least 10 miles a week. And I'm, she points out, I'm not a naturally gifted athlete. The miles I run are slow and steady, and I'm never going to be a champion runner. But sticking to my goal has vastly improved my mental and physical health. Sure. Um, more importantly, I'm much braver when it comes to challenging myself and trying even more new things. I found that runners who are a lot fitter and faster than I'll ever be respect me a great deal for even trying. Um, and And that is... One of the main points that I re-dedicated myself to. Um, for, well, first they mentioned that pushing yourself to learn new skills, especially as you get older, is a great way to uh, continue your mental and physical health and push off the risk of dementia. Do something challenging, a puzzle, a game, whatever. If you feel yourself yourself getting frustrated... And this could be a hobby, uh, like I'm terrible at, at the visual arts. And I had an artist the other day, I was in a conversation, practically yell at me, saying, try it, express yourself, don't worry if you're any good. And I and I was thinking, well, that'd be frustrating. And, oh, wait a minute, that's the feeling you're looking for, not at the point that you're helicoptering golf clubs <laughs> and screaming the F word in public. <laughs> But that's the feeling you're looking for, that feeling of, why can't I find this word? Um, Oh, and then this is the point that really got me. Struggling or even failing is one of the most effective ways to overcome fear and boost creativity. That's interesting. I didn't know that. It also, uh, and doing things we're bad at teaches us to stay humble and laugh at ourselves. There was a, a huge study, I remember, and again, it was the New York Times that when they're not being wildly, stupidly biased, does some pretty good journalism. <laughs> and it was a giant study of kids, and they found the number one indicator of success was the kids had tried and failed at something, huh. or multiple somethings, and far from 
discouraging people to ever try again. It teaches people that wasn't so bad. Well, that's interesting. I'd have to think about that in my own life because I've failed at lots of things. <laughs> it's a little counterintuitive, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. But if you have failed at a number of things, it's probably it probably automatically makes it less intimidating to try something else new because I've tried all kinds of things new and been bad at them. Well, right. You find out it's not a fatal problem. Now, maybe you I've tried suck. it before. <laughs> no, that's not where I was going. Uh, maybe it's one of those genetic. Uh, you're you're either naturally a cheery person or you're naturally kind mm. of uh, more negative. Um, maybe you're the sort of person who greets failure with, I'll do something else. You know, I was just thinking, I think, uh, and this is not a positive, one of the reasons I've been willing to try things and fail at them, I don't give a crap what anybody thinks. <laughs> so, and I'm not sure that's a good thing. <laughs> I'm not sure that's a good thing. I don't care what you think. Right, right. Well, that's handy in a lot of ways, especially, oh my gosh, one of the side articles that you link to through this article is uh, a discussion of perfectionism, which is something neither you nor I has ever suffered from. No, I I do not struggle with perfectionism. <laughs> but they talk about, I mean, there's some heart-rending stories about people who are just amazing and do amazing things, and they end up miserable or committing suicide or whatever because they fell short of their own just crazy idea of how perfect they ought to be. Mm. Um, yeah, and they yeah. they get into some of the, how that's rampant in uh, the Asian world to a large extent. Mm. Um, but anyway, that's kind of an aside. Yeah, um, whenever I hear perfectionism thrown around, it's almost always is a bad thing for people who have it. And uh, I, I've always wished I had a little more of it. I'd like a little of it. Uh, you know, a little more of it would be good for me, but. Yeah, try not to suck cynism or something. That's what that's what I got. I, you know, as long as I rise above, you know, embarrassing, I'm generally fairly happy with it. But um, uh, and they also make the point that being okay with being bad at some things is great for your peace of mind. Says one therapist, when you refuse to do anything you're not great at, what you're telling yourself is that you're only okay if you're perfect. That's going to lead to a lot of pain in life if you enjoy it. Do it. Boy, not Do it to, badly. Not to derail the conversation, or maybe it's a flip side of the same coin, but I... D- derail away! I feel like I have more problem with my kids and encouraging them to do things they are good at. Because there are a few things that I seem to have some talent for that I wish I had pursued harder uh, because I, I have some ability at it, and I and I didn't. Like, my, my one son's really good at drawing. He just has some natural artistic ability, and... I, sh- I have trouble convincing them. This, you know, this is something, this is a gift. This is something you should work on. Yeah. But that's, that's a tough one. You can encourage, certainly. Uh, you know, I have, you have a, to have a, a passion for something. And if you don't have a passion for it. Yeah, exactly. I have a couple of friends who have sons who are gifted and actually a daughter too, in particular, gifted golfers and, uh, they're college scholarship type players. And, uh, my son, Declan was an incredibly gifted, player i mean from the earliest age but he has no real desire to practice and doesn't particularly like hardcore competition he'd rather be your friend than Uh beat you um he's just a very very gentle spirit so you know Hmm. yeah there's that so yeah so i've told the story before he came to me after a couple years of high school golf uh that he did pretty damn well in, and he said dad i think i just want to play this game for fun and I said, son, you're no son of mine. <laughs> exactly. You're out of the will. And you changed his name. 
Yeah, <laughs> to Isaac <laughs> with two S's. Um, <laughs> if you if you've been listening this whole hour. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, but I, I had to accept the fact that he's very different from me. Mm-hmm. I always responded to setbacks with "I'm going to try harder" and "I'm going to come back and beat you," and it would consume me. And he's just a very different spirit. Yeah. So you kind of I got to let them find their own way. It's great to have a passion for something, but you either have it or you don't. You can't create that, right? Yeah. Yeah, you find it. I have a I have a passion for radio and have since I was a teenager. Um I just do. Uh I I I I couldn't not practice playing the guitar or something if I wanted. It'd make me miserable if I didn't practice. You yeah. don't have to make me practice. I want to practice. But I didn't like choose that. I just you have it. You right. Don't. If you have a great mentor, maybe they can help you find that within. You know, speaking of music, uh, uh lay me down on the therapist couch. You know, um and, and opinions will differ because taste in music differs, but uh, some of the stuff we did with the Dead Flowers, I'll listen back to it, and I am shocked at how great it is. Not that I was great or the songs I wrote were great, but the playing and the production, and it just sounds so good, and it's discouraged me from doing music because I feel like I don't know if I can ever be that good again. Hmm. And I saw this article and I thought, you know, the visual arts thing, I may take a hack at it because I love uh, art, like painting and stuff like that. I love taking throw, it in, but I'm throw always terrible at it. Throw on the smock, get the beret, stand out there in your backyard looking at a flower oh, bush. Needless to say, needless to say. Uh, but I need to I need to just make music because it gives me joy and not worry if it equals what I've done before. That's irrelevant. So... Uh, so the other part about m- m- doing something that challenges your brain. So is the what basically happens is the brain say, you know, m- months, years go by, you're not really challenging, it, and your brain says, oh, I guess they don't need us anymore, and the brain cells say, head on out. I guess nobody needs us around here anymore. You know, that's an interesting way to phrase it, but yeah, that's clearly true. An interesting, childish. Like you're talking to a five-year-old way to phrase it, but yeah, right. Um, and if you maybe con- your brain's just a lazy ass, huh? And if you continue to challenge it with new things, it's saying, "Yeah, yeah, hey, got another job for us, everybody. Gather around, right? Shut up it up." Armstrong and Getty. This is the day that we say we're about to open a pit of hell. The bobcat technoblock. A bobcat. Whoa, whoa. Obviously, this does not appear to be a nominal situation. Well, Lottie frickin' God! Okay. Come on. That was quite entertaining. That was really cool. It, it, it makes no sense. This country is going to be in big trouble. I'm going to call my lawyer. Gun. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Boy, you can't uh, you can't claim that we're not optimistic now. And but back in the old days, we're all that, that's an ad for Pabst Blue Ribbon, in which the guy says about the only thing you can count on now is the good taste of beer. <laughs> wow, wow, must have been the that early eighties, uh, darkish. Must have been the early eighties during the recession or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that jingle. I don't know either. Uh, I, I think and, it's. And I know most beer jingles. If you're old enough, see, if you're a, a hipster young person, Peps Blue Ribbon is the cool beer at your during your hangout. But if you're old enough, you remember it as kind of not kind of a cheap beer that you would drink if you couldn't afford other beer. Mostly, at least oh, yeah. it was for my crowd. Yeah, it was mocked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I drank it because it was I couldn't afford the other stuff. 
But now it's right. the hipster beer. All right, fine, whatever. Oh, you know, that reminds me. There was a, a work crew, a construction crew, getting off work yesterday as I was taking a bike ride, and I was pausing to take a drink of water, and they were walking by me, and I gave them the, hey, fellas, uh, have a good evening. <laughs> what? Um, and uh, it was, the first thing that was interesting is they were all meticulously polite. They must be trained to be that way by the company. So tip of the cap to the company. They're all like, thank you, sir. Have a good evening yourself. That sort of thing. I mean, like it was a white tablecloth restaurant. Uh, second thing was, I almost said, guess it's Miller time, huh, fellas? Then I thought, these guys have no idea what Miller time no, is. No, it's white claw time. Yeah. <laughs> they looked a little manly for the claw. But uh, anyway, old reference. Sorry. Never mind. Who's Miller? Okay, boomer. <laughs> I'm not a boomer. LeBron James signed a new contract with the Los Angeles Lakers, who did not make the playoffs last year. Is that right, Michael? Is that correct? They didn't even make the playoffs. That's correct, yeah. God, that's Boom. crazy. Anyway, it hasn't hurt his salary anyway. He just signed a two-year, $97.1 million extension. Almost $100 million for two years at the wow. tail end of his career. He's being rewarded for failure. It's like he works for the government. And the rich get richer. Um <laughs> I like saying things like that. For some reason, I thought the other day of when somehow Rush Limbaugh came up in conversation. And I remember when he did his interview with Chris Wallace many, many years ago, and he had just signed a deal where he was making $50 million. And Rush Limbaugh said, you can make the argument that I'm underpaid. And Chris Wallace said, underpaid at $50 million? Completely either pretending to or actually not understanding the way salaries work or how you bring money to a company. Because LeBron James is getting paid for making the company way more money than the $97.1 million. He's yeah. worth giving that much money because it makes you so much extra money. Surely, everybody, I guess everybody doesn't understand that. No, no. Most, well, not maybe most, but uh, many people do not comprehend that. LeBron James makes that when a school teacher makes, you know, right. 80,000 or whatever. Well, that, yeah. If you say that, you're either a child or you got kicked in the head by a horse. I'm giving you two charitable outs or you're a moron. Right. Crazy. Um, or, or, or. I sounded like a seal there. <laughs> or, or, or. or. <laughs> Since our school systems do no business education, they do no, no financial, like uh, microeconomics in most cases. How to handle money, how money is made, how money is taxed, how money is invested, what's compound interest. That ought to be the first thing kids learn, because it's about feeding yourself. I think it'd be better to learn about how mean we were to the Indians. But oh, boy. Uh, yeah, my son is very excited. He, he's, he, he goes to a private school, but his, uh, his first period class every day is going to be stocks where they learn about the stock market and they, 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 at the first week, they invest in all their stocks and watch wow. them through the year and learn about dividends and shorts and calls and all these different sorts of things. He'll, he'll know more about it than me halfway through the year, but, uh, he's very excited about it and I'm excited about it. I met his teacher last night. I said, tell him to buy low and sell high. And he, <laughs> he gave me the look of, you know how many dads say that to me? That's the look he gave me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I'm happy that he's going to learn that sort of thing. There's there's something you will actually need to know in your life. Right. What's what's a mutual fund? What's an index fund? Just all that stuff. Nah, but no, no, no. We're l learning that white people are evil. We're l learn to name the longest rivers. I don't know. Does that do me any good? I learned learn all that, that little boys can be little girls tomorrow if they decide to. 
Oh, jeez. You're going with some particularly inflammatory examples. Well, um, and useless. Beyond useless. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and game sense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus in president ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park that's 1-800-GAMBLER this is it your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. The Armstrong and Getty Show. But we are all human at the end, and we all deserve housing. It is a human right. It doesn't matter your background, your religion, your creed, your sexual orientation. I don't care about none of that, and nobody here should either. What we all Shanae, care about is ending homelessness. Shanae, we need to move on. So that was a uh, a meeting about homelessness, and that's not really one I wanted to talk about here. That's not what I was going to bring up, but just wanted to put it out there as just changing attitudes. You know, that's a growing attitude, the idea of having a place to live being a human right. Mm-hmm. Like something that you know you should automatically get from somewhere, place to live. Kind of fits in with this idea of fun employment being a thing. Oh, coming up, the, perhaps the woke lunatic of the year. Okay, cool. Stay with us. So we're going to get to some of the work requirements that Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans are throwing out there for uh, getting welfare. Cruel mega Republicans. But I start with this this opinion piece in the Wall Street Journal from a college professor 
Susie Welch. For Gen Z, unemployment can be a blast. And she talks about um, teaching college students, and she realizes they have different views. She's older, and they're young, and times change, and blah, blah, blah. But she said, my equanimity was recently tested for the first time in a while, with graduation looming and summer almost upon us when my students started throwing around the term fun employment, as in, I'll work when I work. Until then, I'm just going to do fun employment. I literally screamed in class the first time a student casually mentioned that fun employment was their next step in life. What? 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 I cried. Are you literally saying fun employment like unemployment can be fun? The um, students burst into laughter. Yes, exactly. It can be. And they threw out all the different ways that they were going to enjoy fun employment when they graduated from college. Going to a vegan sanctuary in Madrid for a few months. Oh, if only. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful dream. Uh, uh, The the mountain climbing in Peru. Living with refugees in Greece for five hours a day in return for room and board. Attending Burning Man and then taking some quality time to recover. I thought it was an unspeakable tragedy that these people had so much college debt that we got to pay for it. Uh, This college professor says, I was reminded of the time Kim Kardashian broke the Internet when she said her best advice for women in business was to get your effing A up and work. (laughs) The, the The metaverse cleaved in two with people under certain age indignant at the suggestion that the system wasn't rigged against them, rendering hard work pointless. Kim Kardashian claiming that you worked to get ahead. Wow. Radical position. Um, one other part I want to throw in this before I move on to the other. Uh, is this part of oh, rejecting okay. hustle culture? <laughs> yeah. Fun employment. The idea that not having a job or even the prospect of one could be pleasant, delightful, and even desirable. This seems like a level step up from wanting work-life balance. It makes even quiet quitting, which is really another way of saying I, I, I don't want to work as much seem uh, quaint in comparison. So anyway, she seems to believe that this is another step further from, you know, well, feeling like you need to work. Yeah. Like, not working is a human right. She's also asking about it in all kinds of different classes with different people and everybody laughing. Yeah, it's a term we're all talking about. And she's surprised she hadn't heard it before. I hadn't Mm -hmm. heard it until today. Yeah. But her main question was... How do you afford to do it? Thank you. <laughs> um, and everybody, the, all the responses were, you just do. You just make it happen somehow. To which she still doesn't really understand how that happens. Now, I guess I could picture if you have a little savings, you go to Europe, you get the rail pass, you work for a couple of days somewhere off the books, I guess. But that doesn't sound super relaxing. I don't know. You just do it. You make it happen. What does that mean? I I think that if something costs ten dollars that you need, where did that ten dollars come from? You just find it. <laughs> I know an awful lot of younger people, and I mean younger than me. I don't mean young, but like younger people who are still carrying a lot of credit card debt from those years of when they took their trip to Europe or whatever, and they're mm-hmm. still paying it off like 15 years later. Wow, really? Oh, oh. heck yeah. You know, you build up $30,000 worth of credit card debt when you're 22 backpacking around Europe. It takes a long time to get out of that. Wow, yeah. I, I've always felt kind of bad or or 
mildly regretful that I, like you, just got working as soon as possible. Not only as a kid, but then as an adult. Um, there's no, what do they call it? A uh, gap year? Gap year. Yeah. There was not like a gap two weeks. No. Yeah. Well, I don't know. On the other hand, I've never really had debt problems, but no. It's partly because I married a banker. Um, eh, wow. This is crazy. So on the other end of this, the, uh, the GOP trying to get more work requirements for welfare. And I think, I think this fits together some places. Some of it is I got to believe these kids. I, she, I didn't look where this woman is teaching, but I got to believe these kids have the option of going back and living with their parents when they get done, you know, with the vegan Madrid thing. <laughs> they can live with their parents and look for a job and hang out there until it comes around or they find the thing that makes their heart sing. Not everybody has that option. Well, yeah. What do I want to do? What makes my heart sing? A sickening notion to me, but... Um, House Republicans are trying to make uh, a stricter work requirements for welfare part of the debt ceiling deal. The House GOP's Limit, Save, Grow Act that passed this spring stiffens work requirements in programs such as food stamps and Medicaid. The Supplemental Nutritional Assistant Program, SNAP, currently stipulates 20 hours per week of work or training for able-bodied adults under 50 without children. Wow, you're under that's f- what's cruel and draconian? That requirement? You're under 50, no kids, and you only have to come up with 20 hours of work or training, which practically anything counts as training from what I've understood. Um, those who don't comply can only receive benefits for three months out of every 36 months. House Republic, Republicans want to raise the age requirement to 55. The bill was also cracked down on states that watered down the requirements with exemptions. I'm reading from the Wall Street Journal opinion piece here. Decide for yourself if a part-time work program aimed at an able-bodied man without children at home constitutes taking food out of the mouths of kids as House Democrats have said in a press conference yesterday. Oh, I left that phrase out. Yep. Taking food out of the mouths of kids. Or you're like a 40-year-old man with no kids and perfectly healthy. You're just a lazy loser. <laughs> then there's the cash well, benefit. Of course, they can show up to the local school anyway because the schools feed the, the quote-unquote the kids all year long for free, including in the summer. But they don't check who's a kid and who's not. In fact, they can't. Then there's the cash benefit, temporary assistance for needy families, TANF. As a condition of federal funding, states are supposed to engage at least half of families in some type of work, including training or job hunting. But only six states hit the 50% target in 2021. So job hunting is included. So I don't even know what that means. As a condition of federal funding, states are supposed to engage half of the families. So you only, like... Make half the families do it, and you just don't pay attention to the other half. Again, and wh- who came up with the idea of if half of families work for their taxpayer handout, that's good enough? Who came up with this? How did this end up being our, our current standard? But even with that, only six states hit the fifty percent mark, according to the House Ways and Means Committee. Thirty-four states had a 0% effective rate in making families work for their benefits. Want me to explain government to you? It'll take 10 seconds. All right. Politicians 
gain power. They get control of taxation in the Treasury. They use the money from the Treasury to buy votes. The rest Bingo. of politics. Bingo. The rest of politics is trying to obscure that fact. Anyway, we got other stuff to talk about, and I won't get bogged down in more of the details. But the Republicans are trying to come up. It's it's a lot like the spending cuts when they talk about the uh, you know cutting and spending. It's tiny, tiny cuts to the growth. Like Kevin McCarthy says, we're going to go back to the spending of late twenty two. Right, four months ago, six months ago. And this is similar. The Republicans are going to put on requirements that are barely anything. Because currently the requirements are nothing in many cases. Well, 34 states right. for that particular program. It's amazing. Yeah, that's one word for it. Wow. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Now, I heard, uh, uh, you know, all my life, Brussels sprouts used as a punchline for something unpalatable. And uh, Judy finally talked me into eating them because she likes them. Which and one? I thought, well, what are we talking about? What do they look like? I don't know my vegetables. Brussels sprouts look like tiny little heads of cabbage. Okay, those, all right. Um, we have them with like balsamic, uh, a balsamic vinegar glaze thing on there that's just terrific. That's part of the I always heard class. Them as, 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's me. Anyway, <clears throat> and I, she finally talked me into trying them, and I thought, wow, these are actually pretty good, especially with the drizzle stuff on there. Mm. Um, but now I know why. Thank you, Michael, for that uh, bit of infotainment uh, and tormation, if you will. It's mm-hmm. fabulous. So speaking of food, um, uh, I, I, you should know, and, and those of us or those of you who know us uh, have listened for years, you know we're not guys who jump on various food trends or diet crazes or whatever. Uh, we might be interested in it, might look into it, but we're not people who scurry around after the latest, you know, so-called information, uh, in, uh, uh, nutritional information out there. But I was really struck by a piece in the New York Times about highly processed foods and brain health. As we've discussed many times on the show, where is all the autism coming from? Is it just recognition? Better diagnosis? Maybe. How about all the Parkinson's uh, uh, dementia? Is it just people are living longer? Maybe. How about all the anxiety and depression and cognitive decline in general? Is that because we're totally uh, taking inputs all day long all the time and it's making us nuts? Maybe. Or is it something environmental as well? Because there are very few things in science or, or in life that are explained by one thing. It's almost always a couple of things. Is it plastics in our bloodstream? I don't know. But so this article uh, says eating packaged foods like cereal, some cereal, and frozen meals has been associated with anxiety, depression, and cognitive decline. Scientists are still piecing together why. Then, of course, they tip their cap to the... Uh, Physical health effects of eating too many breakfast cereal, snack bars, frozen meals, all packaged sweets, highly prepared foods, uh, diabetes, obesity, cancer. We all know that, right? Um, but what's it so insidious about these foods, they write us, uh, and how you can avoid the mental... Oh, I'm sorry. What's so insidious about these foods, and how can you avoid the mental fallout? Scientists are still working on answers, but here's what we know so far. What qualifies as an ultra-processed food? This is pretty easy to understand. In 2009, Brazilian researchers put food on a four-part scale. And yes, we'll post this at armstrongandgetty.com under hot links so you have it. I'm paying Um, very close attention to this. I'm worried about this. I'm flattered and I'm pleased. Uh, Four-part scale from unprocessed, obvious. You grab an orange, you eat it. Pull a carrot out of the ground. Very, very unprocessed. Don't even wash it. Uh, and, and minimally processed, like fruits, vegetables, and rice and flour, to processed oils, butter, sugar, dairy products, some canned foods. We'll get into that. And smoked meats and fish and ultra-processed foods. Ultra-processed foods include ingredients that are rarely, if ever, used in homemade recipes. And I was scanning uh, nutritional labels yesterday, having read this um, in, in our house. It's easy to find. How often have you used high fructose corn syrup or hydrogenated oils or protein isolates and chemical additives like colors, artificial flavors, sweeteners, emulsifiers, and preservatives when you're whipping up dinner? Honey, where are the chemical additives? Where'd you put them? Uh, so this classification system is now widely used by nutrition researchers. And ultra-processed foods, or UPFs, make up a majority of the packaged foods you'll find in the frozen food aisles at grocery stores and on the menu at fast food restaurants. Seventy percent of the packaged foods sold in the United States are considered ultra-processed. And they're increasingly edging out healthier foods in people's diets and are widely consumed across socioeconomic groups. God, I'll bet 90 percent of the food I eat is ultra-processed. And I remember this made a big impression on you a few years ago when 60 Minutes did that big story on the food uh, laboratories. Heck, yeah. 
This uh, epidemiologist uh, says uh, ultra-processed foods are carefully formulated to be so palatable and satisfying that they're almost addictive. The problem is that in order to make the products taste better and better, manufacturers make them less and less like real food. And recent research has demonstrated a link between highly processed foods and low mood or mood disorders. Now, always be careful. The word link in science is very vague. It's practically useless. So this is evidence. This is not proof. Um, what's the cause? What is it correlation or causation? Is it one-tenth of the reason? Is it 50% of the reason? you got to be careful with the word link. Anyway, um, a lot of science reporting in mainstream publications is terrible. I'll admit that, but this is still intriguing. Uh, let's see. Uh, one 2022 study of over 10,000 adults in the United States. The more UPFs participants ate, the more likely they were to report mild depression or feelings of anxiety. Quote, there is a significant increase in mentally unhealthy days for those eating 60% or more of their calories from UPFs. This is not proof or causation, but what we can say is there seems to be an association. Well, there would be, you know, if you want to get Freakonomics on this, I guarantee Please, you. Yeah. I guarantee you there are all kinds of lifestyle choices that go with eating 60% or more of your food from ultra-processed. You have a tendency to do all kinds of different things, I'll bet. That it's other absolutely healthier possible. people don't do. Uh, you're probably less likely to exercise. You're more likely to stare at your phone. There's probably all kinds of things that go with eating more, you know, food out of a box and that sort of thing. Okay, a bit more evidence because I, I agree with you. That's why I'm always skeptical about these things. Uh, 2022 study uh, that followed nearly 11,000 Brazilian adults. How many is a Brazilian? One of my favorite jokes. <laughs> Uh, they've followed uh, nearly 11,000 Brazilian adults over a decade and found a correlation between eating ultra-processed foods and worse cognitive function, the ability to learn, remember, reason, and solve problems. Uh, while we have a natural decline, quote, in these abilities with age, we saw that this decline accelerated by 28% in people who consume more than 20% of their calories from UPFs, said the professor at the Sao Paulo Medical School lead author, etc. But why? It's unclear Many high-quality randomized studies have shown the beneficial effects of a nutrient-dense diet on imp- uh, on depression. If you have clinical depression, they get you on a very natural diet, and many high-quality studies have shown that helps, but they're not sure why. Mm. They think it might have to do with how poor gut health affects the brain. Diets that are high in ultra-processed foods are typically low in fiber, which is found mostly plants, vegetables, nuts, etc. Fiber helps feed the good bacteria in the gut. Fiber is also necessary for the production of short-chain fatty acids and the substances produced when it breaks down the digestive system, which play an important role in brain function. One of the most interesting things I learned, when Judy was pregnant with Caitlin, our first kid, I read voraciously about fetal development and then early childhood development. And one of the interesting things, it's super simple, but is uh, how important fat is to an infant. Um, one of the reasons babies are, are chunky and they drink whole milk is that uh, fat is incredibly important in forming your brain. And it, it probably continues in some way in adulthood. In fact, they quote a, uh, the International Society for Nutritional Psychiatry Research, blah, 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 um, that uh, it plays an important role in brain function. We know that people with depression and other mental disorders have a less diverse composition of gut bacteria and fewer short-chain fatty acids. Well, as now, a, I, I could go on, but now we're really getting into uh, college science class. Why would it be surprising if, to anyone that stuff, you know, made by scientists put in a plastic sack that that that, that doesn't go bad for two two years is not healthy for us? 
I should be. I really should work at that. Dang it. Armstrong and Getty. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe ventilation system exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today.